What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 201 of Smack Talk, presented by SmackoutMoment.com. I am Tony Mango, your host of the panel, and I've got with me Drew White. Yo. Mike Payton. What's poppin' home, skillets? And Stephen Wago. So on this episode, our main event's going to be Superstar Scores Chris Jericho. If you're interested in our review for Night of Champions, go back and check out the Night of Champions post-show that we did right after the pay-per-view was done. That's why we're not doing it in the main event for this episode. But we're not going to leave you hanging without a main event. we still got that coming your way a little bit later on. And we've also got the standard other stuff, the hot tags in Part 2, Rest Hold Break in Part 3, Fantasy League at the end of the show, and Part 1. Of course, as always, is the kickoff, the wrestling trivia question of the week, otherwise known as the Ask Him. If you don't know what the Ask Him is and you're joining us for the first time, Ask Him is a two-question segment. Both questions tie in together in some fashion. First one goes to the panel, second one goes to the audience. And before we get into this week's answers and questions and everything else like that, we need to go back and talk about what happened last week. So, last week's question to the panel was, who have had the shortest reigns for the WWE Women's and Divas Championships? And that was Hervina with one day and Jillian Hall with roughly about five minutes. So the question to the audience, name the women who have held the WWE Women's Championship for longer than 295 days. That was the record that uh, Nikki Bella had passed to become the longest reigning Divas Champion. So not the same title lineage, and there are five women who have held that title, uh, the women's championship, I should say, for more than that time. Number uh, five on that list was Alundra Blaze at 342 days. Number four was Sensational Sherry at 441. Never would have guessed that, actually. I totally forget that she had such a long title reign. Number three was Trish Stratus, 448. Number two was Rockin' Robin at 502. And number one was Fabulous Moolah at, like, 58,000 days, whatever the fuck that was. Ridiculous amount. So, we need to start getting into who said what in response to that. Christopher Marin says, wow, mentioned twice, Tony, you're killing me. And I said, uh, you know, we're going to mention you again. He says, looking forward to it. So, hey, Chris Marin, you mentioned again. He also says, the Fabulous Moolah twice, Sensational Sherry, Rockin' Robin, Alundra Blaze, and Trish Stratus. So, he gets them all correct. Watchman King says, Mula, Trish, Blaze, Robin, Wendy, and Sherry. Wendy was not on that list. I think she was pretty close, though. I think she was something around, like, 260 or whatever. Mark Swaby says, didn't Mula hold it for 20 years or something silly like that? The others would be Trish, Sherry, Alundra Blaze, and Rockin' Robin. As someone said, she left with the title. Peter Piccinini says, Congratulations on 200 episodes. Mula, Sherry, Rockin' Robin, Blaze, and Trish. Honorable mention, deactivated for over Nikki's reign when it was trashed. Amato Apex says, Holy shit, Nikki Bella is statistically the sixth best diva or women's wrestler in history. Fuck me. I think I'm just going to skip to the rest talk. <laughs> Maybe that will ease my mind. <laughs> Forgot about the rest talk thing that ended up happening. I could use some rest talk right now. Yeah, Rust Talk will be pretty sweet, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's get into this week's set of questions. And these are about Night of Champions, because that just passed by. I did this with the SummerSlam one, if I remember correctly, about who has the different records and stuff like that. And I figured, let's keep that going. So, question to you guys. Who has a perfect 3-0 and record at Night of Champions? Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. 2010, 2012, and 2013. Undefeated. Good job, Danny uh, Ryan. Should have got that. I was at one of those events. <laughs> <laughs> Question to the audience now. 
Which wrestler from this year's event has an 0-2 record at Night of Champions? There are a bunch of people that lost this year that have never wrestled before at Night of Champions and stuff. There are people that have wrestled at Night of Champions in multiple different years and had a whole variety of different records and stuff like that. I'm specifically looking for the person who has had a 0-2 record after this year. So, if you think you know the answer, or you want to just take a random guess, leave a comment below, or send a tweet at SmartCoutMoment with the hashtag AskHim, or leave a comment on SmartCoutMoment.com. Next week, we'll tell you the answer and go through everything you guys said, right or wrong. And we're going to continue on here in part two with the hot tags of the week. A lot of stuff coming in that segment. So stay tuned as Smack Talk will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you got that Ask Him correct. We're going to start getting into the hot tags of the week. Different rumors, stories, news, and anything else we need to run down for the week uh, for uh, professional wrestling. And uh, let's start off with just a simple kind of thing right here. Did you guys watch that Legends with JBL show? Quite like nope. half of nope, it. Not yet. Man, I tried watching it. Not a fan. Was I, the first one with Eric Bischoff? It was, a, it was a little dry. Very, very dry. I mean, we've had like the Stone Cold podcasts and we've had the Jericho ones, and it's sort of similar. I mean, it's just an interview thing. You know, nothing special or whatever like that, but JBL is not the most char- charismatic host. Now, I'm not saying that I am. But uh, his questions and what they were asking, too, and stuff, I couldn't get into this. I fell asleep, and I was laying down for a couple hours and not able to fall asleep, and this did it. <laughs> they were <laughs> talking about, like, you. 30 min- you know, well, let's talk about Vern Gagne a whole lot. I'm like, oh, God. Like, I, I don't <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And if you are a fan of it, you know, go check it out. Hats off to you. You probably will love it. But when you start hearing about, like, what Bischoff was – He's talking to this executive, and they're going over this thing, and Mid-South is whatever. It's so boring to me, and I just wanted to get into, like, the Monday Night Wars, you know? So I don't know if that happens in the, the later half, and this is only part one, right? Yep. So it better fucking happen in part two, at the very least. If we're, like, starting off part two, all right, guys, well, where we left off? 1991. Now you're interviewing a fucking broom, and... Uh, this- <laughs> Not a big fan of that. Um, was it a 30-minute show or was it an hour long? It was an hour. An hour. Uh, I don't know how long I got into it before I fell asleep, but it couldn't have been more commer- than 20 minutes. The commercial they showed on TV for it, they had, like, multiple... They showed, like, multiple guests, so I just assumed that it was either, like, small, like, 10, 15-minute interviews with an hour-long show, but, man, good luck with that, Tony. Well, okay. I, I think that... it could be the guest too. I mean, Eric Bischoff is like an old man now. And he was just sitting there with his old man suit on with his old man tie with his old man and his old man skin. <laughs> no, that's Jericho. His old man voice. I'm excited for the Ron Simmons one. I think that'll be cool. Cause at the very least we know that those guys have like a good chemistry together, that they are really good friends. They're probably got like tons of like inside jokes and shit. Mm. So, you know, I'll give it Probably another a lot shot. Of good stories too. Yeah, like some road stories and stuff. I'll watch it again. I'll probably try to finish this Eric Bischoff one because maybe there's a little nugget of something interesting that I didn't hear yet or whatever. But, um, you know, from what I did see, I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people. 
Go ahead, check it out if you want. Leave in comments below. Tell us what you think about it. They've got another podcast coming up soon, though. Brock Lesnar is going to be on the Stone Cold podcast. You guys excited for that? Did not know about that up until now. So that one should be interesting because, you know, Lesnar is a man of few words. But I guarantee you Austin's going to have a lot to talk to him about. So I'm interested in it. Uh, correction on that. Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar's a very uh, few uh, well, a man very I can't even fucking say it anymore. <laughs> Lego's totally a man of sense. very disjointed words. <laughs> Thank you. He actually does speak quite a lot when he's in an interview setting, but when he's Brock Lesnar the Beast coming out on stage, he lets Heyman do the talking. So I think this is going to catch people by surprise. And I think it's gonna be a really intriguing conversation. Well, this is a WWE uh, broadcast, so you never know if they're they're going to try to pipe him things, say himself. So it'll be interesting. You think Austin's going to be in that character that he was pulling at the end of the uh, Paul Heyman one the whole time? No. I think this is going to be really mellow. Put on that Nobody hat ended. with the uh, edging Christian one. I mean, if they were going to set up the match, this would be the time and place to do it. Uh, that's a possibility, because uh, we're getting Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker a hell in a cell. That means the likelihood that Taker and Lesnar at WrestleMania has pretty much gone out the window. I mean, it's still a possibility. Could happen. But now I would say... What are you going to do after less. a hell in a cell? Right. You can't just be like, okay, well, now we're going to do double hell in a cell. <laughs> I was just about to suggest double hell in a cell, just as a gag. From there, just Maybe a like a reverse hell in a cell? Three stages of hell in a cell? <laughs> do a Punjabi prison. Where it's Wait, a, a hell in a cell hell in a- inside of a, an elimination chamber inside of a Punjabi prison? A reverse hell in a cell is where the floor is a cage and oh. the top is open. Wouldn't so it be gonna, heaven in a cell? Because I, because I was going to say, if they're trying to escape into the cage, they already did that. Yeah, that's true. They have done that in advance. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Brock Lesnar is going to have to have somebody else to fight at WrestleMania. <laughs> and we're running out of people that he can fight that'll be a big match. Like, He's already had Roman Reigns. He's already had John Cena, Triple H, Undertaker. I can't imagine Brock Lesnar versus somebody like Sheamus or Randy Orton or... Sure, you could do those matches. You could do those. You got The Rock. Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah, there's The Rock. Kevin Owens. Yeah, a lot of Brock matches left. I could even say Cesaro if you built him up enough. Daniel Bryan if he's healthy enough. Oh, they would go with Bryan if they had a chance, probably. Mm-hmm. Damn, now I want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, we might see something about that. Stone Cold's mentioned in the past that he might be interested in doing another run. So, it'll be interesting to see if they do set something up here. Well, last time he had an interview recently with uh, Chael Sonnen, Chael brought it up and he went, I think you're just bullshitting. I think you're going back at WrestleMania and Austin just flat out denied it and tried to move the conversation along. If you so watch either he's Austin, working or I don't know. If you see Austin on these specials he's been doing lately, he's been looking like he's been bulking up a bit. And I gotta imagine if he is gonna wrestle, obviously it's gonna be a WrestleMania. And, well, you know, he spets like a year to get himself really in good shape. Could work. Uh, then again, maybe this Sting thing is gonna shake him. That's true. So let's tie that kind of in together um, with another thing, another story that's going on here. Sting, uh, possible career-ending injury at Night of Champions. Ric Flair has said that he wants to get back into the ring. When did they tell these guys no? Well, they told Ric Flair no. Yeah. 
He won't go away. It's like, Flair, you can't wrestle anymore. I'm going to go to TNA. I'm actually getting uncomfortable seeing Ric Flair. Uh-huh. Like, when he came out and he cut that promo about Charlotte, even just the way that he was speaking sounded like he had had a stroke or something. And maybe he was just, like, you know, really emotional because he's been crying, like, you know, they they show, like, a picture of Charlotte on stage and he just starts bawling, like, for some reason, Ric Flair, he can bleed like a stuck pig and he can cry like a river, but... I don't know. He the way he doesn't look that great. He looks better than a lot of other people at his age. I'm you know sure he's not on oxygen and shit. But Flair is not somebody I want to see back in the ring. He's just going to get killed. And Sting, I mean, this guy took a couple bumps at Night of Champions, and his career might be over in what three matches in WWE, and that's it. You ask when's the time to say no more? It's when this happens. You don't, you can't really predict when your body's gonna go out. It just does. You've got so many bumps in your bump card. And then it goes kaput. Shame that it came so too, so soon for Stinger. There's still, he's been wrestling for God knows how, how long now. He's still in ring shape. So it's not like that he has been taking time off and not staying in shape for the most part. He knows what he's doing out there. It's not with Ric Flair. It's, has been doing much for the past few years. So. Be quite scared for him. He might just like do a freaking take a suplex. He might break his back or something. Flair will fucking bone. So Flair will never get. Flair will never die. The son of a bitch survived a plane crash. He'll live forever. (laughs) Like he survived a plane crash. All that happened is he just got smaller. Yeah. So with Sting, I mean, there's was an attraction for him. So I understood why they still have him around. I mean, so Flair, there's no attraction. So hopefully. He stays out of whatever ring he plans on, you know, getting in. Yeah, I don't see any positive to Ric Flair getting in the ring. I don't see a whole lot of positives to Sting wrestling in any kind of, like, really, you know, crazy style or any, like, uh, hardcore matches or anything like that. Like, Man, I, all these old fucks wanting to get back in the ring and we can't get Shawn Michaels. Fucking, I'd kill for Sean to come back. Instead, we get fucking Sting. Kurt Angle just show up. As long as he doesn't do any like... moonsaults, I'm okay with Kurt coming back. But fuck, uh, Sting and uh, Ric Flair. Like Ric Flair should have retired a long time ago, right around the time he started wearing T-shirts in WCW. Yeah, I think when you get to the fat kid in the pool that doesn't want to take the shirt off stage, like uh, Tommy Dreamer was doing that and stuff. Okay, Kevin. Tommy Owens, Dreamer did that his entire career. Retire now. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he wore like. Uh... Well, he started as a uh, pretty boy, but then... yeah, he had the suspenders for like a year. Hmm. But he was wearing t-shirts really soon. Yeah, he adapted to this uh, persona in ECW of him just being the pretty boy that got the snot kicked out of him. And following that, he got a cult following and just started wearing the ECW colors. Weird to think of Tommy Dreamer as the pretty boy. Yeah, he wasn't actually a bad name, Tommy Dreamer. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't strike me as like a Tyler Breeze or something. You know? What I mean? Well, he, he actually looked. looked, he looked the, yeah, he looked the part when he was younger. I mean, look at Shawn Michaels now. Is there anything sexy about him? Kind of like the cockeyed eye. Yeah, he's just this cockeyed, <laughs> balding guy gyrating on the side of a ring. <laughs> I think I'm cute. You might think so, Sean. <laughs> I think I'm cute. Nobody else does. 
So speaking of Night of Champions from the whole Sting situation, we had another weird thing happen at that night. Of course, we had some other weird things and stuff like that, but something in particular. A fan tried to get into the ring. Actually, he did get into the ring. Yeah, he stood there posed next to uh, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, and he's getting 10 days in jail for it. They actually went through with charging him. He pled guilty to it, of course. And the reports all said that if he would have gone to trial and they would have, like, dragged it out or whatever, he could have gotten, like, over a year in jail. So, obviously, he made the right choice. Just, like, I did it. I mean, there's any fucking doubt that he did it. <laughs> Video no, there, fucking there was thing. an imposter uh, right. guy. There was photos of him in a flak jacket staring at Roman, like, inches away from it. And there are still people that are like, no, that was this referee guy. <laughs> Yeah, fucking, you know, Chad Patton goes in the fucking ring, or John Cone, or whatever. Uh, you know, I think that, obviously, WWE wanted to make an example of this guy. Do you think that this is a good enough example that's been made, or do you guys think that this is just going to be like, ha, that's funny, he got ten days, but I'm going to do it again? Because this has been happening a lot lately. Something's they, up. They need to sit the boys down, go, if a fan jumps in the ring with you, you fucking tag him. Yeah, Simple. I was thinking the same thing. And then they open themselves have... up to lawsuits. No, they don't. I mean, no, any yeah. judge in their right mind would be like, okay, you jumped into the ring, you're trespassing, you opened that up for yourself. Like, they wouldn't, you know, get sued and lose and stuff, but at the same time, that just makes it a little bit more uh, of a situation than they need to deal with. It's still they litigation have... fees they have to put on, they have right. to put their lawyers to work on it. They gotta have that wrestler that did that show up and testify. And, and, and listen, if their lawyers are concerned with that, then how can they keep concerned with taking Tony's channel down? Yeah, that's true. I think it would actually benefit any wrestler that did tag somebody publicly. Makes them look also. Like I think also, you know what it would do? Um, Vince would get a fucking boner for it because he's always talking. Remember how he fucking hated John Morrison because he didn't think he could win a real fight? <laughs> I guarantee a wrestler tags somebody that comes in the ring, he's getting a push. Surprised Kevin Owens hasn't done it yet. Then, well, even better, he attacked Machine Gun Kelly. This because no, no the reason no one runs in on Kevin Owens is because they think he's a fan that dropped the ring. <laughs> and to be honest, all the recent ones too has been uh, Shield related guys. So I don't know if this is just you know people gawking for them. I was or... dressed like a Shield guy. Right. Yeah, credit board... to this guy. He at least dressed a gimmick. You think the security like were just too dumb and thought he was a legitimate fan? Like, sorry, legitimate wrestler? I don't know, because what's funny about the video of it, if you go back and look, Luke Harper and Braun Strowman don't even do anything. They're just looking at this guy. They're just kind of like, oh, dude's in the ring. Hey, dude. Like, just imagine if Strowman got his fucking hands on him. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, <laughs> you got a lot of brass balls getting in the ring with those guys in the ring. Imagine how, since they're on the opposite ends of the ring, and this guy poses next to Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, and they turn around and they're like, oh, wait, what's happening? Imagine if fucking Braun Strowman just, like, charged at the fucker. Just like, get out of Strowman would fucking kill them. Oh, you know what you're worried about, lawsuits? You fucking just, like, have Roman sit on the guy while Dean Ambrose gives him a pink belly in front of everybody. Problem solved. Humiliate the guy. It'll work. Or are you moved the segment a long time. <laughs> I was just like processing the idea of Dean Ambrose doing that. He'd probably love it way too much. 
Hey, what? He's sitting there going like, ha ha ha. Give him a fucking wet willy. And a swirly. Give him a wedgie. Why is that it? <laughs> yeah, an atomic Put wedgie. his underwear over his head. Calls out Ryback, and he's like, Ryback, you know any good bullying techniques? What else we got here? You've got Lucha Underground is going to be returning for a second season. I still haven't even checked out a single full match, let alone a full episode, let alone the first season. But Holy I've heard fuck. good things about it. So Go watch Vampiro's match against uh, Payton. What's the dude's name again? It was the fucking hardcore match they had. It was brutal as all hell. Pentagon Jr. There we go. I watched that um, the other day that popped up, and man, they tore the house down. Hats off to Vampiro. He That's can still amazing. go. That that's actually a contender for match of the year for me right now. Really, it does, it mm-hmm. does go to show that violence does go a long way. I'm not saying you have to fill your entire product with it, but it adds something when you use it at the right times. What did, what's the details of this? Is it going to be on El Ray again, or do they get another um, yeah. network to sign? Yeah, El Ray's got it um, again, so they must have come to some deal, which I'm really glad because. Um, I've got that network, so now I don't have to worry about losing a chance of viewing it. We're having to try to find it online somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, I'm really happy for the guys. They deserve a second season, and fucking hats off to them. They're the only alternative out there. Now, despite not checking it out, I'm happy about them getting another season, too, because from what I have seen, something different. Seems like they've got some talented guys. And... I don't hear anything, like, horrible about the company. Like, we are going to get into in a second, TNA. You know, that's a company that needs to die and bring out, like, the ashes of that need to make a better company. Lucha Underground doesn't seem like they've got any issues, really, so... Well, the Vampiro has been going out publicly on many occasions and talking about certain guys not wanting to take jobs, so... um, And I think he... I think it might have been Alberto he was referencing. I'm not too sure, but there's people that are upset with some of the backstage antics going on. I could see Del Rio doing that. Uh, well, you could see Del Rio doing any, anything negative, though. Especially because Del Rio's become such like a big shot everywhere else he's gone. Uh, he probably thinks that he's entitled to just like win everything. Well, that's what Vampiro's whole oh. thing was. He said this guy is a big guy normally, and when he comes here, he doesn't want to do the job for guys. He's doing a parent, so... Absolutely sounds like Del Rio. Cause I could, it would either be him... Jomo, or uh, you know who else it might actually be? Was uh, Big Zeke. Could he was be involved in Lucha Underground? Yeah, Big Zeke he had was. a big role. Um, he's a fuck, apparently he's a fucking asshole in real life. Yeah, but so. did you notice he got phased out by the last show? So I bet he had some bad attitudes and they just got rid of him. Could be. Uh, so he yeah. literally is a big guy. Mm-hmm. Has Mysterio popped up on there yet? Um, they teased him on the last special. It's it's not actually 100% if it even was meant to be him. They had, like, a guy put on a mask, and he, like, spray-painted a question mark onto the side of a building in Los Angeles. So it's it's easy to think it would be him, but maybe it's Mysterion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we both wanted the same joke. <laughs> oh, so, uh, have they said when the season's going to start up? Because uh, they recorded these in advance, right? So well, they haven't recorded the second season yet. Mm. I suppose asking. I didn't know if like how long far in advance it is, or when is the season? Does it have, a, does it have an air date? Uh, I don't remember coming across one. Mm. It is going to be in the first quarter of 2016. If uh, El Rey didn't, uh, you know, buy a second season from him, do you think that they could have possibly gone to Netflix? 
Uh, I don't know. People are rallying for it, but it depends if Netflix even is interested in the pro wrestling business. That's a weird business to get into. I don't think wrestling is very adaptive to the Netflix model either. Because Netflix is big on binge shows, where you could throw up a whole season and it's cool. And wrestling is a week-to-week thing. What I will say, if out of all the wrestling promotions, though, Lucha Underground would be the most suited. Yeah, because it's the most cinematic. Mm Mm-hmm. So you it's know what? Kind of like you, I don't really imagine like a sports thing working out with Netflix. And if you advertise it as sports, then that's weird for the next Netflix crowd. And if you advertise it as a TV show, then they're going to be like, "Wait a minute, well, this is kind of sports." Like, I don't think that it would fit. But you never know, and they don't have to worry about it now. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, very true. Well, they actually they still might be pursuing something like that because I know one of the problems was is that a show like Lucha Underground has a very high budget uh, because of the the cinematography and the effects that they use. Like, you know, people have died in this show. People, like, vaporize and take off on jetpacks into the air. Like, all types of wild shit happen in this. Just um, jetpacks? So, yeah, dude, this is an insane show, like, in some of this stuff. It's, it's unlike any other wrestling thing you've ever watched. Um, so it's got a very, very high budget. And that was one of the reasons why there were so many questions whether they're going to do this second season is because El Rey is a very small time cable network. So they're, they're not going to be able to really pay for it. Uh, even though they have the backing of Robert Rodriguez, who's, you know, willing to filter in enough money to keep it alive to a certain point. Um, I know they're still trying to find more money elsewhere, either via distribution through something like Netflix or Hulu, or uh, I know they were really trying to get on something like Univision, which would be huge if they can get on that. See, I don't know anything about Univision, so I can't really it's, um, have an opinion about that. It's basically the number one Spanish-speaking channel in the United States. Oh, that's why I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Uh, Those channels to me are like, can't I just not have these and get some money back on my Comcast bill? I think they also broadcast throughout Mexico, too, though. So if they got on that channel, they basically would have international distribution, um, and that would make them like major, major Damn powerful. Yeah, like they, they would, you know, people like argued about whether WWE was number one worldwide. They actually might become competition for them worldwide if they got that kind of deal. Who knows? Maybe they'll get it. Maybe second season's one of those things where more people tune in. Maybe they'll get a little bit of a boost up in their um, recognizability and stuff like that. And if that's the case, then, you know, all the success to Lucha Underground. I'll probably have to try to figure out a way to uh, check that out pretty soon. Beginning of uh, 2016, that's when it's coming out? Mm-hmm. Cool. So I got a little bit of time. So I mentioned before we need to talk a little bit about how shitty TNA is doing. Yes. And, uh... <laughs> We had a situation here with Destination America dropping TNA. Um, Impact's been dropped from international stations as well. And on top of that, they're going to be pursuing Scott Steiner in their legal troubles again. What did he do? They're claiming that he breached contract by saying disparaging remarks about them. Mm. And he's basically saying, bullshit, not in my contract that I can't talk about you guys. So one of them's right, one of them's wrong. I don't know who to believe because both sides are, like, ridiculous. Seems like a pretty easy thing to solve. Show his contract. Yeah. It's either there or it's not. But apparently that's going to trial in February, and TNA's not going to probably have a TV show around that time. So they're going to be wrapped up in that, and what are they going to do for money? 
Here's the thing, they've got so much Is negativity there... on them, I'd love to see them prove him wrong. Like, <laughs> any of these claims, please prove me wrong. I think they're just at the point that where they're trying to get money in any way possible, so... I'm gonna try to bleed Scott Steiner dry. Yeah, might as oh, well. Go try the... Sorry, go on. No, they'll probably bleed anyone dry who was previously in the company, and they could have said something about him that was negative light or anything of that nature, so... Who knows? Well, I think the majority could... of the things that he was bitching and complaining about are about people that aren't even in TNA anymore. Bischoff, Hogan, etc., are you talking about, like, when he went on his Twitter shoot, like, two yeah. years ago? Yep. They're still butthurt about that. Really? They're mm. claiming that that ended up hurting their business. No, it just made Scott Steiner look ten times better, so... They might have a point with that. I don't think anybody at this point would be like, you know, I was going to give that TNA a shot, but Scott Steiner said that Hulk Hogan sucks, <laughs> and... <laughs> fuck that company. No. TNA's See, done more than enough damage on their own. This is probably one of the few times where Scott Steiner said something that was like, yeah, you're probably right, Scotty. So, he's probably, don't, he's probably right about all that stuff, too. I've got a good defense for Steiner when he gets to court. What? What? I thought this is America. <laughs> Get my peaks on peaks. So, there was something about TNA dropping, what was it, like 100,000 viewers or something? Uh, yeah, that's right. They've been dropping significantly each week, but 100,000 is huge for them especially. Whew. Like, WWE can lose that to um, some type of sporting event and bounce back like when it's over, but TNA, they're just dropping because they suck. If you lose 100,000 viewers, how many do you have left? <clears throat> Five? Well, they're, they're negative uh, one million now, so... I mean, like, we shit on TNA all the time. And it's fun. But at the same time, like, you gotta reach a point, again, like we were saying with the Ric Flair and Sting and stuff like that, when do you just give the fuck up? Clearly TNA is... The people that are involved, whether it's Dixie or her circle of people or whatever, they're still harping on this idea. They were arguing with somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was. They were pointing out, like, the terrible gates that they've been doing recently. Like, they had some show where they were giving tickets away and it still was only a couple hundred people. And the guy was just kind of like, oh, everybody wants us to fail, but we got surprising things coming. It's always pay attention to what's coming up next. And that next thing never ends up doing a goddamn thing. Boy, who cried wolf, as far as I'm concerned. Agree? Disagree? Fuck pretty much said it all. They're never getting better. They've had more opportunities than anyone. They've been on life support for God knows how long. People have been saying since 2008 that they're going to go out of business, yet they've hung on. And true, those uh, notions were a bit silly and over the top, but as it's gotten to the Hogan and Bischoff era, there was a time where they should have just gone out of business. I'm shocked that they got Destination America to agree to have them on the station. But just in typical TNA fashion, they upset them constantly, repeatedly. What a fucking terrible company. And the tragic part is all the people that worked for that company, because they had a lot of talented guys. Now it's just the dregs that are left that they can afford. And for the few that actually do have something to offer, it's been wasted. You know how I feel bad for in this situation? 
Ethan Carter. I think him going to TNA is going to be the best thing that ever happened to him. He's one of the few people that are going to benefit from that company. Well, he's gotten a huge, huge upgrade from being there. But if he doesn't leave soon, he's going to be the guy that didn't leave before the company got, you know, disbanded. No, that was AJ Styles. I know he left before it disbanded, but fuck, he's wasted too many years there. Weren't there reports that like, WWE was interested in getting him back? Or something There's like always that? reports. I mean, one of the Hopefully current rumors right now is that Carlito's coming back. Like, And MVP. And someone else. And, and Sean Benjamin. Yeah. And Matt Hardy. You always realize there's a lot of people around that like 07 range that people talk about. Chris Masters, MVP, Morrison. Like, Still not sure why they fucking got rid of Masters the last time. He was doing really well, but whatever. Uh, I wasn't that bad of a fan. Oh, oh no. Now we got to do Superstar Scores, Chris Masters. <laughs> All right, well, at least he gets a really good score for uh, physique. <laughs> I don't know. After I don't know. He, he after he got deflated. Wait. Yeah. That's true. He would get, like, one with an asterisk or something. Let's move on from TNA. Let's talk about a better organization, NXT. Tickets for NXT TakeOver London have sold out already. And uh, when we were trying to figure out some stuff for the hot tags earlier on this week, we were looking up some different things. And two other stories came out on top of that that deal with NXT. One was that there's a little dispute going on with NXT talents not being paid for these special shows that they're doing. And there was another one about the four horsewomen of NXT, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte, not being in WWE 2K16. However... If you really, really want to play with those uh, divas in the game, we got Cameron. <laughs> what? Who thinks that this is a good idea? Who in WWE 2K16 was sitting there going, we got a limited amount of people here, so let's have like eight versions of these different people. And uh, crap, we're running out of spots. We only have a couple divas. Uh, Cameron and like Rosa. Fucking <laughs> come on. I don't think that last. Go on, you go. I said you. You go. I said you go first. So you go. He's not you go. He's Wigo. Yeah. So you go first. Oh well then. Oh, I guess I will. Anyways, when it comes to the uh, video game reports, I I'm hesitant to believe that they're actually doing that. A part of me believes that they're they're just saying this to get the reaction, get news, get some buzz about the game, and then they'll put them in eventually. So I'm not going to buy into that until the game is officially released if, or and stuff of that nature. But I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a pretty fucked up stuff, you know. When I'm playing video games, I'm definitely looking to get the divas. So I'm not going to get the video game regardless. So and for those of you who are complaining about it, just don't buy the game. It's simple. If they don't put them in, and it's you're really that butthurt about it, despite the fact that they have everyone else that you pro- probably will want. Don't buy the game. It is that simple. I have never played with the Divas on any WWE game other than when I've accidentally gone on an online session and he put me in a Divas match. <laughs> no, 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 so no. outside of that, I have never ever wrestled a Divas match and I never ever will. I think it sucks for the people. I think it sucks for the Divas who are working their asses off. But the reality of it is, they're not appealing to the bigger demographic. So if they want a roster spot, 
Go out there and fucking earn it. I will say a couple of things. Uh, the one time I played with uh, Divas in games, it's probably when they had like the brown panty match stuff. Because <laughs> you wanted to see something. Yep, exactly. 12-year-old but, Drew sitting there going, oh man, I hope there's that code. <laughs> exactly, but... Uh, oh man, have you seen it, all her ones and zeros? It's the, the reason why I say that, you know, I don't believe it, mainly because Sasha Banks even posted about how she, you know, did the face scanning stuff and all and everything of that nature. So mm-hmm. it's I'm hard. It's hard for me to believe that they would ever go through all that stuff and not put her in the game, especially when she is one of the biggest stars they have when it comes to the whole women's division as of right now. So uh, it'll be interesting going forward. But I, I I'll still go with that. Uh, they'll all be in the game, so everyone needs to calm their tits. Peyton, you were going to jump in there a second ago. What, what was that for? No, Drew had something way more important to say. <laughs> Damn right it was. Yeah, how's Wayo going to say that they have to go out there and earn it? These are the four women that have gone out there and earned it. That's why people are upset. Because these women have gone out there and kick ass. And meanwhile, you do have women in there like Cameron and all of the others. There's a technical explanation for this. And it's the fact that these women were in NXT at the time this game was majorly being developed. Uh, and they do have a lot of NXT talent, but it's mostly the men. They didn't really put any focus on the NXT Divas. So I can understand if they didn't have these women and they had, like, Dana Brooke. That, that would be, be upset. a gross exaggeration. Of, like, <laughs> if they did that, it would be fucking ridiculous. But they only have the main roster Divas and a few of the legends. I I fully believe these will be, come out as DLC. If not DLC, then, of course, you can get as somebody's creator wrestler. Mm-hmm. But who the hell's playing it anyway? Like... I read this article where they were complaining, oh, do we really need all three faces of Foley? Yeah. I want to have a triple threat match with all three faces of Foley against each other. That seems a lot more fun than doing anything with uh, Cameron or Dana Brooke or, shit, Curtis Axel and whatever. Or any of the four horsewomen. Hence why they get a spot and they don't. And, I mean, this is from the perspective of somebody who doesn't play these games. To me, uh, when Drew was saying, you know, don't don't buy the game if you... If, or butthurt about it or whatever, I look at this as kind of like, I'm an outsider enough that I don't even see the point of buying this game every year anyway. Can there really be that many differences that justify spending, what, 60 bucks or something for this game again? If you don't play it, like, often enough, then you're really getting the use out of it? I look it's, at, like, a uh, Madden game or whatever. I haven't played a Madden game in God knows how long. But yeah. that, to me, is like, shit, you just bought... 2K15 or whatever, you've been playing that for a couple months, 2K16 comes out, you're like, I gotta get it. Uh, well, there's 60 bucks down the drain or whatever. Are they really that different that justifies it? No, not know. that it justifies it, but I always get it, and I always play it personally, so if it gives me several months of enjoyment, then that's what, worth what my money. What do you money. say justifies it? I mean, there's like single-player experience games that you pay the full game price for that are like four or five hours long. Yeah, well, those two. I mean, I, I don't get that either. But well, everybody's value of a dollar is different, so it is yeah. what it is. I'm just from somebody who doesn't play these games. To me, that always was weird. So I wanted to get you guys' uh, thoughts on that. Because what I went through, the last system that I ever had was PlayStation Two, and that was when I started to like rent games, beat them in a couple days, and then I was like, oh, I don't need to buy them anymore. Whereas like Super Nintendo, I'd buy a game like a you know Super Mario World, and I would play that shit for weeks and not get done the game. And I really got my use out of that. But I'd get, like, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. Well, that wasn't Amazing Spider-Man. It was Ultimate Spider-Man or whatever. Beat did it, you, like, did you not get done that, too? What, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man? 
Let's take the piss out of you. You, you said a <laughs> sentence funny. <laughs> well, like when you were generally, to... these new games that come out every year have enough there that it can be considered worth it. Uh, you get your updated roster. They usually have some new kind of gimmick they put into it. Like I remember one year, the big gimmick for the SmackDown vs. Raw was tag team wrestling. They invented, they put in all these new tag team wrestling moves and mechanics to work around and then that. Took that was like the hot tag and stuff, right? Yeah, then they took them out because... Fuck, well, because uh, it wasn't the gimmick of any of those other games. It was only the gimmick for that one. That's what yeah. made that one special. You That's know what, what they make do all these games good if they kept the features and expanded. I think it's a thing to make each one special each year. Um, and something else they've been doing to make it special each year is they've been doing these um, story modes, which are almost like single-player campaigns. So you're getting those fresh every year on the new one every year as well. The and ones that are, are like kind of dated by the time they come out. Well, they're they're retro, like they're based back on past storylines now. That's the whole point. Like this one's going to be about Stone Cold. The other one were about several feuds: Triple H and Shawn Michaels, which was kind of let down considering you couldn't have the triple threat match. But whatever. Oh, that's right. Or would you like replace somebody in there? And what was really awkward too is um, you've got CM Punk and John Cena as the other one, and CM Punk had just left the company, and there was all this bad blood. <laughs> so, what do you guys think about that other topic that we mentioned here? The NXT talents, the pay for what they do on the special shows. I think you worded that a little weird, saying they don't get paid because they do get paid. Not getting paid extra for the they don't they don't get the the, the bonus, bonus. Yeah. which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, they, they got to make some of their money back for making this farm league and giving it the full production value and everything they do for it. That That's the place that they do it. I mean, most of these NXT shows, I don't even think they charge, I don't think they charge entry for anything at the full sale, including the takeover specials. Really? They are wrestling independent shows with a guaranteed contract. Like, how many guys on the indies would fucking love that? These guys are in a really good screw. So, and they have access to an unlimited wealth of knowledge that, again, anybody on the Indies would love to have. They don't, the have, to, they don't have to pay for their gym. If they want to try some new moves out in a ring, they've got several. They've got a place they can cut a fucking promo and air it to the guys in the head office to see if it's good. Yeah, acting they, classes. They've got so much at their disposal where if you're getting guaranteed money on top of this and you're complaining, go fuck yourself. I would side more with WWE on it. Because it makes sense to me, like, if they're going to do these as just live shows, then they go, hey, why don't we air it on the network? Well, you know what? You were still just going to wrestle a live show. And I think a lot of people have also been bitchy because it's guys that have earned their keep in, like, big pro, like, New Japan and such. My attitude to that is, you didn't earn your keep in WWE. And I think a lot of people are probably upset about this because it's NXT. Yep. Like, if this was main event superstars, people would be like, oh, who fucking cares? If this was OVW, people wouldn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it might also have to do with the uh, Brooklyn show and how, like, you know, it was such a big deal for that. that maybe they just thought that, you know, they deserve some of what the whole thing was. No, it's people just bitching about something they don't fucking understand. And because people like the bitch. Hmm? And because they want to bitch in support of the NXT guys. And, you know. At the same point, I do admit I see a little bit of the other side. NXT TakeOver London's in December, and they've sold out already. So you would think that people would be like, hey, if we're doing this damn well, kick a little bit of money back to us and whatever. But You know, that NXT happens works, when you get promoted. Yeah, but if NXT is 
really operating at a loss, then WWE shouldn't have to do that, and maybe they can't afford to do it. Just maybe matter if there was like working at a profit. I don't care. They're a business. They're meant to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suck on that, fans. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you guys. So this has been a wide range of topics for the hot tags this week, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that. So leave your comments below. Tell us what you think about all these different stories, whether you agree with us or uh, disagree with us. Botching all over the place here. Uh, we need to take a little bit of a break, though, and we're going to come back with that rest hold. And afterward, we're going to get into our main event of the evening, which is Superstar Scores Chris Jericho. So stay tuned. Click on part three. Follow all the information that I'm going to give you there. Check out that Did You Know parody in the comment of the week and whatnot. And we'll see you there. So uh, go ahead and start clicking. Okay, now that we got that Ask Him and those hot tags out of the way, we need to take a break with the Rust Hold, the segment where we throw in anything that we need to put out on the show that we haven't already gotten to and we won't be able to get to in the other parts. Sort of acts as a commercial break. And we're going to start that off with the outside interference articles for the week. Now, there are two for Bleach Report that I usually do at the end of every pay-per-view, the top highlights and low points of the night, and the biggest stars of the night recap. And there's also one from eWrestling News, the biggest mistakes WWE made at Night of Champions. So if you're interested in reading those three articles, you can find them on the Bleach Report and eWrestling News profiles of mine, respectively. Or you can find links on the Facebook and Twitter accounts for Tony Mango and Smartout Moment, the YouTube description below, or the homepage of SmartoutMoment.com underneath a little section that says Outside Interference. The Smart My Words comment of the week goes to The Roses Show for his comment on the 200th episode retrospective. He says, You know, I was also one of those fans that found you randomly on the YouTube suggestion bar, and I haven't looked back. I think you guys are great with mixing real wrestling talk with outrageous humor, and it works well. I've gone and watched all your episodes, and while I can't really speak for the quality of the past ones because I haven't watched them in so long, I can say that the group you guys have made is as close to perfect as it will possibly be. I hope this show goes on for a long time, and I look forward to the next 200 episodes. Thank you, Rose to Show, for your comment and your support, and thank you all for your comments and your support as well, and all the different ways that you can tell us to smart your words. They're all listed on the YouTube screen right now. And if you are listening on iTunes and Stitcher, hop on over to YouTube, check them out, and make sure you hit us with all the different opinions that you've got. One of these avenues that I want to specifically mention to you guys is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash The Megamaniacs. If you're on Facebook and you're not in that group, shame on you, because if you think that the fun stops when we go off the air, well then you're obviously not goofing off with the rest of us throughout the week. And we'd love to have you, so sign up, join that group, and have some fun. The October edition of the Monthly Mailbag is going to come up on episode 204, so you have a little bit of time to start brainstorming about questions you would like to pick our brains about, whether it's wrestling-related or not. If you want to get our answers to anything, then send in those questions by going to the contact form of the website, smartoutmoment.com, of course. And over the next few weeks, I'll backlog everything that you send in, and when it comes time to episode 204, well, we'll give you all those answers. If you are going to a wrestling event of any kind anytime soon and you want to show your support for Smart Out Moment, as part of the Sign Me Up initiative, all you got to do is bring a sign that says Smart Out Moment to that event, send a picture or a video of yourself to me, and I will give you a spotlight on the website and on the next episode of Smack Talk. And if you have some spare change that you want to throw our way to help on the monetary side of things, there are three different ways in which you can do that. The PayPal donation button at the bottom of smartoutmoment.com, the YouTube channel's fan funding module, 
or you can go to patreon.com slash smartoutmoment and become a patron. And if you can't afford to help us out with what's in your wallet, we totally understand that, but don't forget about the other ways in which you can support us by sharing our videos and our articles with your friends and on social media with a like, follow, favorite, subscribe, and so forth. And that applies to the projects underneath a mango tree that aren't Smart Out Moment as well, including Fanboys Anonymous, the sister website and the blue brand that deals with everything on the geek culture spectrum that we're nerdy about. If you are interested in reading about that, kind of stuff that we like then you can check that out on fanboysanonymous.com follow the facebook and twitter accounts and subscribe to our podcasts on itunes stitcher and youtube.com slash fanboysanonymous all talk show is another one that you can check out the most random podcast we have where anything goes and everything is open for discussion you can check that out on itunes stitcher and youtube.com slash all talk show follow the facebook and twitter accounts which are both at all talk show And you never know when we're going to do a live episode, but we'll always tell you in advance. Finally, to round us out here, if you are interested in joining the team of Smart Out Moment as a writer, editor, or maybe something else, then you can send in your application by going to the contact form of the website, and I'll get back to you with more information as soon as I possibly can. So that'll do us in for our rest hold for this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you learned a little bit as well. We are going to continue on with our main event, so stay tuned, and we will be right back. Welcome back from that rest hold, everybody. We need to start getting into our main event of the evening, which is Superstar Scores Chris Jericho. The reason why we're doing this is, of course, because he made his appearance and his return at Night of Champions, then disappeared again. But we'll see what happens there. So he's been fresh on our minds, and we needed some kind of like a special feature, and we haven't done a Superstar Scores in a little bit. So, eh, you know, everything kind of worked out in uh, the right possible way for us to just go ahead and do this. Chris Jericho is somebody who we've been wanting to do a Chris, uh, a Chris, a superstar scores for a while for, cause a lot of people have a lot of praise. So instead of always just going, oh, we should do, you know, this shitty guy or we should do this or whatever like that. Interesting to do somebody who could end up doing very, very well. And, uh, if you don't know what a superstar scores segment is, well, it's a 10 part rank, uh, ranking system. Those parts are broken up into, like, subcategories and stuff like that. There are five overall umbrella categories. Man, I'm just, like, screwing up so much here. Uh, The ring skills, mic skills, appearance, backstage, and crowd reaction. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of those, and we're going to go around the table here and talk about which ones we gave him high scores for, which ones gave him low scores for, et cetera, et cetera. Then we're going to tally it up at the end and figure out where he ranks on a scale from 0 to 100. Of course, 100 being the best, 0 being the worst. So you get a score of 0 to 10 on each one of these categories, and we're going to start off with ring skills, which are athleticism and psychology. Athleticism is, of course, their moveset in the ring. If they botch often, do they have a strong finisher? Or are they the type of person who can basically do nothing? You know, you've got the wide range of somebody like a Kali at the very bottom, or you've got somebody like a Neville at the top. And I'm going to give him an 8 for that. I think that Jericho's very athletic. He's shown that he can do some high-flying, but not, you know, the most high-flying person in the world. But he's got the ground technician kind of stuff going for him as well. He's got submission finishers. He has the code breaker. So he's got a a wide range, and I like that. All positives on that end. And uh, psychology, 
is when you start getting into their storytelling abilities, whether or not they can draw you into the match, or if you're bored, do they sell well, do they play up their injuries at the right time in a match, that kind of stuff. I gave him a 9 for that, actually. I think that Jericho's even stronger when it comes to telling a story than he is with his uh, athleticism. He's somebody who milks the audience when he's a heel, sets up the babyface to get a huge pop when he starts fighting back against Jericho, and uh, even when he's a babyface, the crowd can get behind him a lot. So, 8 and a 9 for me. Very high score, starting it off. Who wants to talk about the ring skills? Check me, check me, check me. All right, Drew. <laughs> Go ahead, Lego. <laughs> All right, so for athletics, I gave him a 7. And the guy is very capable in the ring, but I don't put him up there with some of the other guys. And he's definitely declined in his older age. So I think a seven's a fair score. As far as psychology goes, this he's had so many great matches. And um, I give him a solid eight for that. Guy's incredible in the ring. I'll go. Next, um, okay. I'll go. Uh, when it comes to the athleticism, I was teetering between an eight and a nine. And where uh, Wago said that in his older ages, his you know he hasn't been the most athletic guy, but at the same time, he has gotten older. So that, that's something I really can't fault him for, and that's just natural age. So. I didn't like take anything out when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I gave him an eight for athleticism. He's one of the, he's not one of the best ever, but he was a great guy to go out there and he had a wide range of moves, you know, good finishers all around and he could, he knows what moves to do. And then when it comes to psychology, he's a master of what he is. He's not the best ever, but he definitely could go out there and make you believe certain situations could happen. You know, he's one of the best when it comes to pandering to the crowd, making him cheer for him, making him boo him. He's one of the best. At, Ever, so I'm going to give him a 9 for that. Payton? For athleticism, I give him an 8. He is very good at moving around in the ring. He's very uh, agile. He has done moves that you know, now don't seem as impressive because you got people like Neville doing the Red Arrow, but he's pretty much the guy who popularized the Asai Moonsault here in the United States, or as you see him do it, the Lion Salt. And now a lot of people do that move, but he's the one who took that type of thing right here in the United States. Um, he's done a few other things. Now everyone does a damn tope. He was also one of the first people to bring that into the United States. So he, he was sort of a groundbreaker in that sense. Um, a neat thing about his style, too, is that he went all over the world to pick up all these little bits from every single type of style and incorporate it into it. So that's why another reason why he was doing a lot of these things. We just didn't see him other people doing. Uh, and that goes into his psychology as well, which I'll also give him an eight. He had a very unique style compared to a lot of other people, especially when he was in WCW in the cruiserweight division. Mm -hmm. uh, most of these other guys were pure flips and all that. And he had a lot of the flips, but he also had a lot of the submissions and the ground and pound and the, the cocky heel style. He was a very unique part of that division. Man of a thousand and four holds. Got to get some points for uh, pulling out some different things, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to give him a nine because of the arm bar. <laughs> So that takes us into Mike's skills, which are charisma and character. Charisma is more so their flat out just pure ability on the microphone, whether they can cut a mic, uh, cut a mic, wow, <laughs> cut a promo on the mic without stuttering or fucking up like I've been doing on this segment. Are they repetitive? Do they keep things fresh? That kind of a thing. Character is their gimmick. Can they pull off being a heel or a baby face, depending on what the situation calls for? Or are they somebody who's just kind of this bland dude out there in trunks? So I gave him a 9 and an 8. 
nine for charisma, eight for character. I don't really think I need to explain the charisma part, right? I mean, he's the Ayatollah rock and roll and shit. This dude has, like, made a career out of talking. And his character, I liked the snarky babyface cool guy when he was, you know, complaining to Stephanie McMahon. The suit-wearing heel got a little bit thin, but when he was carrying himself as better than everybody else, that was something a little bit different. He's been cowardly cheater. He's been the good guy who makes people laugh. Wide range when it comes to that, too. And I've enjoyed pretty much all of what he's done, even though there are those times where it gets a little bit tiresome. But then he goes away for a while, comes back, tries to reinvent himself. So a lot of credit when it comes to that. Nine and an eight, as far as I'm concerned. Let's keep this uh, going in the same pattern here. Wego, what do you think about the mic skills? All right, so for Charisma, I have given him a 8. The guy on his best day was fantastic. I'd give him a 9 or 10. But in some of the shittier parts of his career, most recently the later stages, where he's just been Chris Jericho repeating old catchphrases, it's kind of dwindled, and that kind of goes into the character too. Uh, Chris Jericho has had some interesting characters and some interesting evolutions, there was um, the first Chris Jericho in the WWE where he had the odd ponytail on the top of his head and he was going toe-to-toe with The Rock. I love that stuff. Um, he went kind of stale for a while until he started his undisputed title gimmick, in my opinion. I liked some of the stuff that he did with Chris Benoit, but then he really found his uh, thing with the uh, heel Chris Jericho with the suits and stuff. I thought that was his best character work. And then came Light Bright Jericho. I hate Light Bright Jericho. You're going to hear me say that a lot. It's fucking terrible. So what was your character score? So eight and seven. All right, Drew, what about you? For charisma, I gave him a nine. And, you know, he's one of the best talkers. If if he, it's always a toss-up, whether if he's a best, better talker or a better wrestler. Like, not many people get a talk show in WWE. And you have to be really good on the mic to, and hold yourself in interviews to do stuff like that in the middle of a Raw as well. So you got to give him a knife of charisma. Definitely one of the best talkers they've had in recent years. So and when it goes to character, I gave him a, a – he never had anything that really stood out. He never had an undertaker of anything of that nature. But from the crybaby from WCW to the Y2J when he first debuted to the suit guy in the late 2000s and even uh, Bright Light Jericho. I, I could get behind, so I gave him a 9 for charisma and an 8 for character. When you said the suit guy, I was thinking the soup guy for a second. I thought that's what you had said. Well, maybe the soup guy, the soup guy, they're the same pretty much. Which I was just thinking, uh, I think I'd be interested in soup guy Jericho. <laughs> be an interesting character. Peyton, what about the mic skills? Where does he rank for you? For Charisma, I gave him an 8. He is very entertaining as far as his energy and his style and all that, but he also is someone who is very, very guilty of relying on catchphrases, and we've seen that even worse in the latter part of his career more recently, and it's especially noticeable on his podcast. His podcast, you could write the script for every single episode uh, three weeks in advance. (laughs) Hibbity dibbity. Hibbity dibbity. thunder. Ah, oh, fucking terrible. Uh, and for character, I also gave him an eight. It's cool the guy was able to evolve, but it, it also was kind of just a guy, you know? There, there was nothing truly colorful there in any of them. 
So I'm, uh, it's good. I'll give him an eight, though. So I like how Payton articulated himself. So pretend that was my opinion. <laughs> appearance, physique, and entrance are in this set of categories. We've got, uh, of course, physique is pretty self-explanatory, right? What do they look like? There we go. That's it. <laughs> entrance, though, a little bit of clarification. That incorporates their music, pyro, the taunts that they do, any kind of like actions, poses, etc., like that kind of stuff. And it can be from their full career. So with somebody who has had different entrances, you know, you got to factor in all of them, all the good, all the bad. Physique, I gave him a seven. I think that Jericho has a lot of credit for staying in really good shape for what, how long has he been wrestling? Like 20 something years or whatever like that. Guy's never been in bad shape. But at the same time, you got to look at who would be an 8, 9, and a 10. Those guys are the ones that are more cut, more muscular, better suited for that kind of a physique that we would expect than Jericho. So it's a good score. He does get a lot of good marks for it. But I can't justify giving him, you know, an 8 or a 9 or something like that if I was going to give somebody like a Chris Masters or a John Cena or a John Morrison or something like that, those higher-up scores. Good idea for uh, Jericho to stay lean all this time, but seem better. And entrance? I'm going to give the guy a 10. That's crazy, but I can't think of that many people that have had as awesome of an entrance for as long as they've had, and I'm still not tired of it. Undertaker is the person I keep holding as, like, the benchmark for this. And I'll admit that Jericho's doesn't come into the same realm that Undertaker's does, but Undertaker would even be an 11. So, a 10 to me, you look at the music, great theme song. He's used the same one for all this time, and there's never been a reason not to. The pyro is always cool. He's energetic. And the different things like the Titan Tron and all that, that's changed over the years, and it's fit whatever his gimmick was. So it's adaptable, too, on top of it. So I got to give him a 10. So that balances out to a 17 to me for the appearance side. Wago, how about appearance? So for his physique, I only gave him a 7. Uh, the guy had a great physique um, and was built up for quite a while, but it slowly slipped, and it slipped even more as soon as the steroid scandal happened. Um, the second steroid scandal. So, as far as Jericho's physique goes, I can't give him anything more than a seven. There's just too many guys I hold up above him as a better physique. Uh, for his entrance, I had it low at a seven, and then I moved it to an eight just because I'd already thought about it. And there's a lot of variations of his entrance I really enjoyed. His initial one with the huge countdown was pretty fun. Then you had the one with the tunnel, and had like all the cool effects and then he'd zoom out to his silhouette. So that was always awesome too. And I always got a kick and a chuckle out of him do when he was doing this suited heel gimmick. He'd have this pyro but do nothing but just walk past it. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. It was like, you're a dick. Well done. So eight for entrance. Drew. For his physique I gave him a seven and he was never out of shape. He was always in great shape for the most part. If, uh... He has a physique that I would love to have, but the only thing that holding it back that he never had a really big frame in a way of like you see like a guy like John Cena, very muscular. Jericho's is a little bit smaller when it comes to his natural fl- f- uh, for frame, so 
that holds him back a little bit. If he was a few inches taller, I think he'd be an eight or nine for sure. But uh, yeah, for that, I gave him a seven in for his entrance. Uh, this was uh, actually very difficult to give me because I was trying to think how much I love it. But then I realized it's the best of all time. So I gave him a 10. Uh, every time Jericho comes out, mark out for it. Anytime you hear the break the walls down now, because he doesn't do the countdown anymore for the most part, pulls it out every now and then. Love it every single time. So great music, great Titantron, Pyro. Hey, Pyro's Pyro. So 10 out of 10 for me. And Peyton? For physique, I gave him a six. Uh, once upon a time, Chris Jericho was actually very, very ripped. And I don't think a lot of people actually remember this. You go back to his WCW run. The guy was like a fucking balloon. Like, you look like if you pushed him with a hangnail, he might pop. But he he definitely did slim down, especially got his older age. I think it was more he just didn't want to have all that bad shit in his system. And he was transferring more into the dancing and all that other stuff. So it was more important for him to be nimble. Uh, that I get. Plus, uh, his body just always looked funny because one of his old man skin on his legs. But he also has that weird shit with his pecs where they go outwards. <laughs> so I could, I could only give him a six. What's the name uh, of that again? Pectus Excavatum. There you go. Wait, that, uh, the Harry Potter enchantment. Mm-hmm. Uh, entrance, I give him an eight. It's very good, but there's been so many evolutions of it, and a lot of them I actually didn't like. I think the best one was the very first one, where it had all the city lights and all that going on with it. I thought that was the best rendition of it. From the moment it went down to the one that was more like fruity colored and... Especially because that one ended when they were doing the countdown at two. Like it would go five, four, three, Y2J, and then all the pyro would go <laughs> off. And I'm like, fuck you, that's not the whole countdown. <laughs> <laughs> Little note that if uh, people have been following for a while, they might still remember me mentioning this before, but um, this isn't you know his entrance entrance. This is just his re-debut kind of a thing, but that Save Us thing that they were doing. Mm-hmm. One of the songs that they used for those promos is called Interfere. That song's been my ringtone ever since that happened. I've had the same ringtone on whatever phone I've had for, what, seven years now almost? What, what was it called? Interfere. Shouldn't that be Kane's theme music? It's funny because he involves himself in every fucking match. <laughs> so I gotta see my, the Save Us thing is probably my favorite. The little the codes dripping down and stuff. I always like that, you know, uh, that Titan Tron was cool. The problem is that he was wearing some of the worst clothes of his career at that point. Oh, so like really the tights he, with the little he, code, the Matrixy tights. No, but remember, debuted, like, the, the vest? Oh, fuck. That silver vest. vest he had? That was terrible. Yeah, that vest sucked. He looked like a douchebag with the haircut, too, when he first debuted. Still going for an awkward stage. What a disappointing thing, though, when they did that reveal and the cameraman went to the wrong angle. Like when he turns around, he's already had turned around when they uh they get the shot back. Come on, Kevin Dunn. Backstage is our next set. That's professionalism and marketability. This is always the one that's a little bit hairy because they kind of uh, go back and forth a little bit. But what they basically boil down to is: Are they a locker room leader or do they cause problems behind the scenes? Do they get bogged down into politics? Do they fuck people over a lot because they want to win matches and they refuse to job? Then there's the situation when it comes to their public relations stuff as an entertainer. There are factors like their arrest record, their charity work, 
and their ability to be able to go on a talk show and promote the company? Or are they the type of person that you would never trust to do that because they would just get into trouble? So you got to look at it as sort of like Hulk Hogan, horrible score with this if we were going to do it right now because he is just persona non grata in WWE. And then you look at a John Cena who is like fucking, you know, God compared to that. And per the professionalism side of things, although the locker room stuff, somebody recently, I can't remember who it was for sure, but it was one of the older guys. Uh, and he's not like a WWE older guy. He's somebody like a, like a JJ Dillon or something. Who's you're right about outside. Billy Star, Super Graham, Larry Zabisco's got beef with him. A lot of people got beef with Jericho. No, no, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about somebody who was cutting a promo or talking uh, about an interview or whatever, and they said that when Undertaker leaves, that the locker room is going to suffer greatly because he's such, like, the example of a professional person that people follow. That's kind of what you need to focus on when it comes to professionalism and stuff. So a little bit of clarity when it comes to that. But, again, this is the, the segment where the two of them sort of overlap a lot. And I usually tend to give them the same uh, kind of scores. I give them a 7 for both. I think that Jericho's had his problems. Uh, Wega brought up a couple things right here. But at the same time, he has still proven that he's got a lot of positive things he can bring to the company. And he's a guy that you can trust to go out there and to like host a TV show, let alone cut a promo about why he loves WWE. He always is talking about how... He'll never work for any company other than WWE. Never says bad shit about it, like a Scott Steiner on TNA. And you can ignore some of the bad things, some of the other things you got to dock some points for. So as far as I'm concerned, he gets a seven for both. But this was the one where if anything's going to change on my score, depending on what you guys say, probably be one of these two. So we go. What do you think? Two, two sevens also. So let's just think um rob van dam there was an incident with him the bill goldberg incident larry zabisco superstar billy graham's got beef with him uh, fucking there's so many people like there's a there's a decent list of people that have had incidents with chris jericho so i'm gonna give him his professionalism a seven for that and then as far as his talk show like as far as his marketability and stuff there's such an overlap and there's obviously incidents where he's been caught and in some drunken altercation multiple times and his mugshot's been out a fair few times. So um, he's not the company guy, but by no means is he some fucking asshole that's trying to just, that's causing WWE a whole bunch of issues. So I think seven's fair and buffs, uh, scores. Drew, what are you thinking? For professionalism, I, I I'm going to give him an eight. And, a lot of the, you know, you, you talk about some of the issues he had with some of these people. A lot of the, the guys you name are old. Billy Graham has, tends to have an issue with a lot of people nowadays. Larry Zabisco is Larry Zabisco. I'm not going to say anything about, you know, RVD and Bill Goldberg. Is enough. You can find all that stuff on the internet. But, but he, right now, he puts about everyone he comes back, puts them all over. So he knows that right now in his uh, time that he needs to be the veteran to help make stars out of other people and that's what he's been doing for the past few years so and never seemed to be the type of guy who needed a world title to be relevant he only held four or five his whole entire time in WWE so for that I gave him, a, him an eight yeah that's like a fucking huge accomplishment somebody like Wade Barrett's like fuck <laughs> can't even get one goddamn. <laughs> so 
gave him an eight for that, and if for marketability, I gave him an, an eight as well. And you know, he's a company guy. He does. He has his podcast, so uh, a lot of pe- people will go for him for that. But also, he's a guy that WWE could trot out there for PR events, parodies, a lot of stuff. And Chris Jericho is a name not in the mainstream per se, but he's a guy that a lot of people can see and like, hey, yeah, you're you're a WWE. What's going on with that? You know, when are you going to go back to WWE? He's on tour. You know, he has a lot of cross main cross branding, if you may say. So for that, I gave him an eight. Aiden, what do you think about backstage stuff? Professionalism. He gets a four. Guy is a jackass. He has heat <laughs> a lot of people. Remember that time he punched out a female fan? Okay, she deserved that. Nobody deserves that. No, she was harassing him. She was clinging onto his fucking car and trying to open it. The bitch deserved it. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, people do that all the time to freaking celebrities. You think the Jonas Brothers do that to their fans? They should. They're worse. <laughs> you don't yeah, know what those st- fuckers do. <laughs> Yeah, they right. sing. So, <laughs> you know, you talk about how he could be a good guy to go out there and speak well about the company, only when it's convenient to him. Remember that period of his life where he just basically, like, shut out WWE and was just like, yeah, no, I'm a rock star now. No, I'm doing all this other stuff. Remember, Tony? He doesn't dabble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm taking it down. Payton's right. The guy's a cunt. Yeah. He's, getting a, he's, got, he's getting a five. <laughs> he's a fucking rowdy, rock and roller, Canadian hockey fan. All right, fuck that guy. Professionalism, he gets a four. Marketability, he gets a five. And he should be considering himself lucky he's got that much. Only because he's been on all these other TV shows, so I give him a five for the marketability. Otherwise, I would mark him lower for that. Hmm. Uh, you know what? You convinced me to dock him down two points here. So yeah, I dropped, him... Him, I dropped him two on professionalism. My, my score's like back down to where it started. <laughs> I'm going to drop him... I think we're going to give him a 5 for professionalism and a 7 for marketability still. That's where I am. That's your choice. Yeah. Well, that leads us into our final set, which is crowd reaction, popularity, and credibility. Popularity measures things like their Twitter and Facebook followers, their merchandise, which we don't know the full numbers for, but we can kind of guess, you know. The ratings when they're on screen, if they're the type of people that people tune in specifically for, like a Brock Lesnar, or if they're somebody that people turn the channel because they don't want to fucking see them. And actually the crowd reaction, too. Um, Cheers and booze factored in here. Credibility, though, that's where their lineage and their history comes in. Is a person somebody who is a main eventer or even a future legend? Or are they somebody who people just look at as a jobber? You know, a lot of that's kayfabe and stuff, of course, so it's not like, well, this guy was the best wrestler, and of course he's a 10 out of 10 kind of a thing like that, but usually if somebody's an amazing wrestler, they get a pretty decent run and stuff. So I am going to give him an 8 for popularity. I think that he's arguably one of the most popular kind of guys that they've had in WWE, but nowhere near the same level when it comes to The Rock and Hogan and stuff. He's had a career outside of WWE, which is a huge testament to his popularity. Big pop culture icon. But he's not The Rock. You just can't compare it. So I can't give him a 9, let alone a 10. And I was really stuck when it came to credibility. And I'm going to probably get swayed a little bit here, but what the number I gave him before was an 8.5. He's a guy that has had multiple world title reigns. He's the longest, uh, or not the longest, the most intercontinental title reigns out of anybody. Definitely a headliner for the Hall of Fame one year. But at the same time, 
Jericho won a lot of that by cheating. And when he did win them, especially like world title stuff, wasn't really booked as the strongest champion all the time either. A lot of fluky wins. Yeah, so I think I might be going down a little bit when it comes to that, but I'm going to wait until everybody's said their piece and kind of factor that all in there. Uh, Wago, what are you thinking with popularity and credibility? How's the crowd reaction go? All right, so Chris Jericho is not the guy that um, draws the money. He's the guy that works with the guys that draws the money. Um, that, ter- that phrase has been used with Triple H more than anyone, but I put him a peg below Triple H, so that puts him at a seven for me. By no means is he not an over guy, but he's not the guy that sells out arenas. Very few people, in my opinion, buy their ticket to go out and see Chris Jericho. As far as his credibility goes, it's another seven for me. Sure, he was the first undisputed champion ever, and sure, he's a multiple-time world champion. Here's the thing. I buy him beating Randy Orton. I also buy Evan Bourne beating Chris Jericho. Hmm. Man. You might have just really hurt his credibility score for me by saying that. That's a good thing to bring up. Hmm. While I ponder about that, Drew, what's your crowd reaction score? For popularity, I gave him an eight, and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, people cheer for when he gets out there. And, you know, he's pretty much an enhancement talent. He works with uh, people that do make the money for the most part. People are happy to see him for the most part when he's on. So for that, I give him an eight. And for credibility, I gave him a nine. He's a multi-time world champion. He's a future Hall of Famer. And, you know, he's a guy that constantly has, you know, showed that he is a legend. And a lot of people, announcers now, uh, refer to him as a legend for the most part. So I will be giving him a nine. Peyton, what are you thinking? I, I'm going to be doing the double sevens for him as well. This is a guy who a lot of people like, but he, as Wago said, is not someone who's selling lots of tickets. You know, I have a Jericho shirt. I was a huge fan of Jericho. At one point, I considered Jericho one of my favorite wrestlers, but I would never put him anywhere near the level of uh, Stone Cold or a Rock. I wouldn't even, even put him at the level of like the New Age Outlaws were at that time period. So certainly wouldn't there. And he's a guy who has a lot of respect. He's been around for a lot of years, done a lot of things, worked all over the world. Um, what, what I think his reputation is ultimately going to go down as, especially because he has that record for the most intercontinental title runs, is the greatest mid-card act of all time. And that's what I consider Chris Jericho. And when you're at that level, I consider you the top of what I would consider the middle numbers, which would be seven. So he gets a seven for his popularity and his credibility. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to have to move that 8.5 down to a seven. It was the Evan Bourne common, wasn't it? That and the mid-card one. Because that, that kind of factored in there. The top of the mid-card, that's why he can lose to an Evan Bourne. So, my final tally, originally before we started doing this, back before we even started talking about it, before we started doing this, that kind of a thing, I had originally had him higher than Shawn Michaels, who has the highest score out of anybody that I've done so far, which was an 83. I had him at an 83.5. After talking it over with people, he's down to a 78. So he figured Ooh, out... A, did he lost, drop. you know, yeah, quite a bit there. That makes him tied for the number two spot with Triple H. 
Triple H would fucking hate that. (laughs) (laughs) He probably would, wouldn't he? Um, I actually went ahead and I wrote down all of the scores from everybody that we've done in the past uh, from my side of things. I can't just go back and tally everybody's because that'll take a lot of time. If you guys want to do that and send us to us, great. Fantastic. I'd appreciate it. But uh, yeah, he is still number two with Triple H and not too far away from him. Brock Lesnar's got 75. So I think that there's a divide showing in my mind right now when it comes to like the people that are main event guys and stuff, but still have some flaws are in that 70 something range. And then you look at somebody like, um, Bob Holly, Steve Blackman, that's 51 and 50. Cause they're like the mid carters and stuff. And then you got an RVD who I just don't like. And he's a 45. He's still out so far. That's so unjustified. <laughs> oh, it's so justified. No, it's it is. It's justified. He got low scores <laughs> for pretty much everybody. Even Dace. Yeah, and Dace. Well, Dace is giving him yeah. a five for everything. Yeah, Dace doesn't care. Dace doesn't count. We need to redo this. <laughs> I can't mind a recount. Actually, I think he gave him a one for one thing. <laughs> he might have. Just up. He's like, I gave him a one. It might have been like, um, physique or something. <laughs> just to be like a dick. So yeah, uh, Kajarko gets a 78. Still a very, very high score, of course. I mean, 78 is in the green section. If you're looking on the screen right now where it's, the, you know, red to yellow to green light kind of a thing. So, you know, he should be proud of that when you come into, like, yeah, use this website. Yeah, he should be proud of a bunch of jackasses yeah. <laughs> that makes a fucking glossary of their own jokes voted in, <laughs> in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jericho, oh, we like to ask you a bunch of questions. What do you think about possibly going into the Hall of Fame? Oh, you know, I think I can get that kind of a career or whatever. What do you think about getting a 78 on Smart Out Moment? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, that's the website that asks you if you dabble in shit. <laughs> 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 so, what's your final score way go when you tally everything up? Well, I initially had it at a 71. Then it went up to a 73. And then Payton made it back go back down to a 71. So, yeah, he just makes it above a 70. Drew, what about you? I gave him an 84. 84? Jesus. Damn, that's even higher than what my previous score was. God, you're young. (laughs) Jericho's my favorite. You know what made me realize how young Drew is? Is when he said, oh, he's only had like four or five world title runs. I know, that was (laughs) depressing as hell. You know what's funny about that? The first thing that flashed in my mind was uh, the shot of... Bret Hart holding up the five. Oh yeah. When he was just like, I won it five times. And I remember when that happened, I was just like, he just won it five times. Such a big deal. Fuck, man. <laughs> and then Cena's fucking winning it every other month. <laughs> 15, 16 well, no, you, times. You know who won it ridiculously shit. amount of times like really quickly was Edge. Edge, yeah. yeah it was like did. what, like four years and he won it like eleven times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was feuding with Cena, so Cena needed those wins apparently. <laughs> And, uh, Peyton, what's your final total score? 69. <laughs> that is my Rowdy Roddy Piper score. Roddy Piper got a 71 for me, actually. Outscoring Jericho. I was surprised. Hmm. Surprised on that one. Is an 84 really unjustified? I think so. I think you're giving him way too much credit, dude. Well, Especially at this point of his career. If we did superstar scores for him in, like, 2003 or 2007... Yeah, I would probably give him a higher. Well, yeah, at, like you, I know though. you said a couple of times. Well, that was a part of his old. That was a part of his career when he's old, but that counts. 
Well, as, to be fair, you can't really fault him for athleticism because if that's the case, you know, an Undertaker would not be like an eight or so, which what you give him now. His athleticism is. Um, I'd give Undertaker a six or seven. See, so. Oh, he's squeezing the Undertaker earlier in his career was total shit. Yeah, yeah he Undertaker couldn't would get well. a low one because he deserves a low one, old or young. Uh, it counts. It ducks points. But if you think about the four <laughs> scores that we have right now, Drew gave him an eighty-four. Peyton got him a sixty-nine. Right, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. And Wego and I are in the 70s range. So it balances out. Higher score, lower score, and then in the middle. I yeah, think you guys are in the lower 70s, though, and he's like mid-80s. He's like I'm way a, up there. I'm 78. I'm 71. Yeah, uh, yeah me and Payton are kind of similar. Also, I didn't give in the peer pressure like Tony and change my score. That's not peer pressure. It's just making me uh, think twice about you something. Gave it really gives a peer pressure. Yeah, exactly. so I, See, it's a sign of a good politician. You change your uh, fucking opinion when given new evidence. You had a 72, Wigo? 71. 71? All right, so the average to that... (laughs) That 73 has been stuck in my head. I typed out Neville and uh, being on the same level the other day. Oh, you bastard. You actually said it earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you. You're like, well, when it's on an athletic level, Neville's a 10. I'm like, Neville level. (laughs) Neville level and 77 now are just like burned in my brain. Um, but if you take the 69, the 84, the 78, and the 71, and you balance them all out, and you figure out the average, 75.5. Pretty good score. And that works out with that Brock Lesnar 75 that I gave him and stuff like that. So tell us what you guys would rank Chris Jericho on that 0 to 100 scale for all the different categories that we broke down, and what you think about our rankings, too, because, uh, you know, we'd like to get your opinions about that. Baby. Baby. So we have one more thing that we need to do for this episode, and that is the Fantasy League. That's going to be coming up in the next part. So if you're on iTunes and Stitcher, sit back, relax, and we'll be right back. And if you're on YouTube, click on Part 5. Welcome back to the final part of Episode 201 of Smack Talk, which means we need to start talking about some Fantasy League stuff. So Peyton, got a pay-per-view that just happened. How's that change things? Mm-hmm. Well, Night of Champions concluded session five for our fantasy league, and things were certainly very interesting. Giving you an updates on the scores here. Drew White's fucking shitheaded losers are extremely fucking shitheaded losing. They have negative points for the beginning of session six. They are sitting in last place with four hundred thirty-one points. Second to last place. Sean Walker's new face of gravity has 704 points. Steven Wago's Ricky the Team Boat actually having a very good night of champions. 831 points in third place. Tony Mango's Tony's Tykes 2 was getting hot on the tail of the first place spot. However, they are still sitting in second place with 978 points. And in first place, my team, our time is now with 1,042 points. All right, with the start of a new session, we reset the waiver wire to be based on whoever is in last place, which would be Drew. Drew, is there any trades you are interested in doing? I hope. Nope. Nope? You're going to sit on Daniel Bryan? Uh, For one one or two more weeks. Wait, okay. I'm going to wait and see if someone... Not, not, not necessarily for him to pop up, but I don't think he will. But, you know, maybe uh, some a debut could happen or... Or someone could return that could possibly fill that spot. So I'm going to wait a weekend before I start losing points for him. All right. Uh, Sean's not here, so we go to Wago. 
Fuego. All right. All right. Wago's not here. <laughs> I guess Wago has nothing he wants to do, so we'll go to Mango. Hmm. <laughs> very, very tempted to do something here. And it could be a big problem if I make the wrong choice. Does it involve Biggie? No, I don't have Biggie. Biggie is on Wago's team. I think I'm going to make the... Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make the trade here. I'm gonna mm-hmm. drop Xavier Woods mm-hmm. and pick up Brock Lesnar. Wow, Xavier Woods picking up Brock Lesnar. So I'm guessing you're thinking he's uh, gonna start showing up for this MSG show. Maybe. Wait, we get points for that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've treated every other uh, network special as such, so. Well, we'll do that as a points event. I think I got a little bit of flexibility when it comes to switching somebody on the team around. So pick up Lesnar for now. Might be dropping him for Hell in a Cell. <laughs> interesting, interesting choice. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to lose. So <laughs> uh, I also uh, am going to be doing a trade. I'm next. I need to get rid of Sting. I don't think Sting's going to be doing anything anytime soon. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to drop Sting. And in his place, I'm going to pick up uh, who's probably going to be the next number one contender for the World Heavyweight title, Kane. Two went from Stang to to Kane. Kane Kane coming back to Team Our Time Is Now. Welcome back, buddy. Thumbs up. High five. Oh, there's (laughs) one. He's back as well. Uh, (laughs) Well, it took you a long time. So, uh, Drew. Or Wago, I guess. Now I go to Drew because you missed it. Drew, is there any trades you want to do? You know, staying is tempting, but I'll pass for now. You don't want Xavier Woods? Uh, you know, I would have him, but uh, I don't think I'd drop. I don't want to lose that top priority spot going forward okay. for him. All right. Wago, is there any uh, trades or anything you want to try to do? No, there's been a few interesting changes in the roster, but everyone's a team player right now on uh, my team, so I'm good with it. You have a very nice team right now, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I actually think that your team is looking better than mine. I definitely think Wago probably is the best team in the whole league right now. Yeah. So I, I would not try to change a thing. Night of Champions was very nice to you. And it was very uh, odd because I had fucking Rusev and Fandango on my team once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rusev's been on pretty much everybody's team at some point. Yeah, really he, has, he, was my, he was my second pick. Yeah, well, Callisto was mine. <laughs> yeah, that was you know what? There was, there was a huge upside to him if they had fucking gone through, and I think they will, but it's going to be late. Well, you know what? He actually is getting a lot of wins now. Mm. Fucking beating the Ascension's ass every fucking week. <laughs> anyway, well, that's going to wrap us up for anything we're doing for the Fantasy League here. Stay tuned on all the roster updates, the scores, and all the rules, whatever you want to check out involving it, by going to www.fantasyleague.com. .com. So that takes us into the plugs for this episode. Wago, start us off with that. Okay, you can go to stephenwago.com <laughs> and follow me at Stephen Wago. That's Stephen with a PH. Drew. Go to Drew's What on Twitter and McFreakin' Duncan on YouTube. And Peyton. 
For more wrestling content, go to keepingkfabe.com. Join us for the Raw Post Show live every single week following Raw on megapowersradio.com. And for everything else, Mr. Payton, follow me at M-R-P-A-D-E-N. That's Mr. Payton. Make sure you guys check out everything under a mango tree, not just smartoutmoment.com, but also fanboysanonymous.com and the All Talk Show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Check out everything that I mentioned in the Rust Hold that's going on this week, next week, anything else like that. And leave those comments below. Like, favorite, share, subscribe, etc., etc., etc. It's episode 201. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and we're being counted out. Do some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Easily one of the worst outros ever. <laughs>